0: This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome back to another Fish and Fries, an American Soccer podcast. I'm Andrew here with my buddy Spencer. Spencer, City is not exactly flying high at the moment. How are you doing, buddy? You do okay? Everything alright? I was
1: I'm doing just fine. I'm a little on my heels now, just straight guns ablazing coming in here. Um Big talk for a Chelsea guy saying that uh, my club is a little out of form here. Got to fire and
0: get him. Got to fire
1: him. right back at you. I, we're just getting the blood flowing, man. We were talking before we got on about uh, City and Chelsea play both Thursday and Sunday. We'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of the pod, but yeah, just uh, it's it's a derby week, a double derby week between you and I. So just got to get the uh, blood boiling between us a little bit, I guess, huh, buddy?
0: Uh, I was actually thinking about this. Now, fish and fries is our uh, Americanization of an English term, right? Taking it back for ourselves, I think it's not a derby. I think it's a classic. I think this is the fish and fries classic. The fish I think that's and fries what we do. Classic. It we we we. I don't want to give that back to the British, right? We're gonna take fries back, but we're gonna go with derby. What like they've never spelt the word out on paper before? Derby, D A R B Y, right? Like it's a derby. And a derby doesn't make a lot of sense in American sports. The Cubs' socks every year is not a derby. It's a series. I think we I think we go with the Fish and Fries Classic.
1: I, um, We can we'll workshop some, it a little bit. but Yeah, we'll have some bants between us about this, but I I think I like that. A classic or something else, I'm with you. It's on brand for us. We should just throw Darby <laughs> completely out the window, just – rivalry um whatever we want to call it i know like um mls they call the la city the lafc and the yeah el traffico so maybe we just have to find something good like that between us
0: <laughs> yeah we'll absolutely play with it and uh hopefully chelsea can make it a little bit more uh competitive right now um both teams are in the mud a little bit i know we started off with some erling holland city banter but we got to take it where we can get it especially as a chelsea fan but what a weekend in the premier league and soccer at large here man
1: yeah it was a crazy not just weekend we end end of week weekend into this week there's just so many fixtures going on right now man uh, a good chunk of the teams we're going to talk about today have played twice since the last time we recorded re-recorded and we recorded on freaking Wednesday last week so it's not even been a week and it's uh if if we weren't warmed up to the idea of the league coming back and you were like oh man it's the world cup just ended like I don't know this is <laughs> Four and I don't know how to adapt to this. Um, you don't have to worry. It's like the World Cup never left because there's just games every fucking day right now,
0: man. Yeah, there's there's no easing back into it. We are fully back into it. And then you're into it again on Tuesday. It's been insane. It's I mean, it's a lot of fun. I'm always I'm never gonna be upset about having uh, soccer on on the weekdays. But from someone trying to actively keep up with all of it, it's just been like. Who plays today? Like, I seriously, I I did. It did not register until we were talking about it, like, what, yesterday, maybe this morning, that there were, like, Newcastle Arsenal played today. Like, that's a huge game.
1: Totally (laughs) snuck up on me, too. Totally (laughs) snuck up on me. I knew it was coming up. I thought it was, like, Wednesday or Thursday. And it's like, no, it's, I I opened my app this morning. I was like, oh, there's games yesterday. There's probably games today, too, right? Oh, Newcastle (laughs) Arsenal today. Cool. Along with four others. There's literally three others, sorry.
0: There's there's not a day without soccer because even, like, this weekend is uh, – tro- The uh, FA Cup, F. cup, season, cup weekend. Yeah, man, it's insane.
1: The, the lovely FA Cup weekend. I think there's only, like, one on Friday, but then Saturday and Sunday, big old slates of watching – except for our two teams, basically watching Premier League oh. teams take on, like, <laughs> League 2 teams. Must be nice.
0: Yeah, man, it's, and even that, yeah, it's like Tottenham, Portsmouth, Birmingham, Forest Green, it's overall pretty gross, but nope, Chelsea City, the uh, fish and fries classic is coming at you twice, but um, speaking of things kind of coming at you fast, I want to just make sure we get this, you know, kind of talked about before we get too, too far into the Premier League, but like, Cristiano Ronaldo official to Saudi Arabia? Spencer, did we ever think it would actually happen?
1: Um, for a while I didn't think it was gonna happen until it just kept every report you saw was like, mm, these European teams don't want him. Like, nobody in Germany wants him, nobody in England wants him, nobody in France wants him, nobody in Spain wants him, nobody in Italy wants him, and, and like at some point you're starting to do the math, and you're like this guy's running out of places. I think um, today at his little press conference, he said he had so many options, but the uh, the only option that I heard him say with, that was in Europe that I can remember off the top of my head was Portugal, probably sporting, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And I guess it proved to not be a good enough option to turn down $200 million a year in Saudi Arabia because um, that's where he went. And that's where I, I, w- it, but- I, I wish I could say it was more surprising than it is. Um but i mean i don't know he's he he being cristiano ronaldo doesn't surprise me too much anymore man
0: yeah so, it's it's kind of approaching uh just mythical tales levels of stuff right where you're like you can tell me about anything about ronaldo and i think i would believe it right there's not too much that's like no he would never do that he's a man of principle he he would never just go to the saudi league for so much money especially when like he seems to be on this crusade against Messi that no one else wants him to be on, like about greatness and everything else like that. It's just, it's an insane move. I get it. Nowhere else wanted him, but like, was he, do you think like my, here's my question. Do you think he was confused why other teams didn't want him after like the most public facing team in the world? He left there and burned it down on national television with like a multi-part interview. Do you think he was confused? Like, I don't understand why these teams don't want
1: He shouldn't be, but I'm 100% convinced that he is because he has basically demonstrated to the public over the last mm, six months or so, especially the last couple months, that he's a full-on certified sociopath, I think. (laughs) It's like he's just straight up, yeah. Burns down bridges at United. It acts like they need to be playing him. He's not doing anything when he's on the pitch. He's just causing problems all the time. And he's like, <laughs> I like, you know, the shock. Leaving to early. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like it's like he would just do something United, get in trouble. And he's just like, do well, you mean I'm in trouble? I'm like, dude, you're walking off the field before the game's over because you're mad. Cause you got, didn't get subbed in to a game that your team's winning. Like you play defense. You've never played defense
0: it's a crazy move is be like, all right, we need somebody to really press and see this game out. Should we bring in this like 19 year old from, you know, South America somewhere who will absolutely run their butt off for United here to see this thing out. No, let me get that 38 year old guy who doesn't run unless there's imminently a goal scoring chance. Yeah. Dust like, him off. Put, a, put on a platter from him for him too. Cause that's, oh
1: man, just but insane. It's the whole thing is just wild, man. Um, Honestly, this is kind of goes into the fact of me just saying this guy has become so delusional to me. I, he's always kind of been this way, but he's always been good enough to back it up until the last couple years, I'd say. Yeah. Um but like literally in that Piers Morgan interview that you just kind of referenced a minute ago, Piers Morgan asked him about playing in like Saudi Arabia they literally named Saudi Arabia and it's this is a month ago a little over a month ago I believe and he's saying no uh, I I will finish the top level and stuff and I, I understand that nobody wanted you but then to like today at his press conference go in there and be like, I want to show the world that the Saudi league is a good league. I didn't come here just for the money. He said something like along the lines of, I didn't come here just for the football. I want to show the world like that this is a good league. And I was like, you didn't go there for the football, buddy. No. You went there for the $200 million in salary and endorsements you're going to get a year. Like, just this is, Let's call this a spade a spade here. This is the
0: equivalent of if like a guy and his girlfriend are like living together and she kicks him out because they're going to break up. And then he had a press conference, like after moving back in with his parents being like, "Uh, actually, I just want to say that uh, actually my parents' place is really cool. Uh, Living in the basement is going to really help with my commute and that's good for the environment. So there's a water bed. uh, Yeah, there's a water bed and it's good financially for me right now. Like actually, well actually that part's pretty good, pretty true to, uh, to moving to Saudi Arabia, but like, it's an it's just an insane move, like to do it, and then like spoiler alert, guys. Anybody doing anything in the Middle East right now, whether it's a World Cup, whether it's you know Cristiano Ronaldo going to play there, it's because of the money. Um, you had a very sweet sweet movie.
1: oil cash,
0: and you know, like as as uh, Roman Abramovich, former Chelsea owner, and uh, your guy's current owner was a. It's not all bad, but you know. The uh, getting that getting that sweet sweet oil money or the anything else there, but you know this is a guy who could have been moving to Kansas City, Missouri, Spencer, or Kansas City, Kansas, I guess. So you know if that says anything about what people's perception is of Kansas City, <laughs> where would you rather be? Where would you rather be, Spencer, as someone uh, with a little bit more skin in the game than than most of us here at uh, moving to midwestern cities?
1: Um. Well, obviously, I am St. Louis based. So we've got like a nice little friendly rivalry going on with Kansas City and a not eh, friendly, but not so friendly rivalry with the state of Kansas. So, like, considering Sporting KC is based in Kansas, um, yeah, I would have probably picked Saudi Arabia over Kansas too. So, um, but if he was on the Missouri side, you know, that's a little bit disrespectful. Hurts my feelings. The. would have lived on the Missouri side, right? It's not
0: that far of a commute.
1: I mean, it'd be crazy not to, but um, <laughs> the USMNT only account, you know, we love mixing it up on there in the comments and stuff, but they, I felt a little bit attacked when I saw the tweet that was like, imagine Ronaldo in Missouri, and I, I understand where they're coming from, but, you know, um, I like it here. Born and bred here for the most part, so, um, you know. It's kind yeah, of like the uh it's kind of like the little brother thing where like somebody can talk shit on your like somebody talks shit on your little brother, you're going to have to like fight them, but you can talk all the shit you want to your little brother, kind of that type of scenario with the old state of Missouri here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was that was very funny to me as someone from Illinois and you know like I I've spent a lot of I spent a good amount of time in like Missouri and like I, St. Louis is fun. I have friends there, but like outside of like the Ozarks are you know, also fun in a place I have friends. It's never like, man, if I just gotta get back to if I didn't get to visit Kansas, like you can drive through Kansas by accident Be like, oh shoot, we're in Kansas. I didn't even realize the g p s routed us this way, but um yeah it was it was very very funny to watch you uh, get into it with people about um Missouri and Kansas issues, you know the show me state uh who has less basketball teams professionally. I don't know what else you guys would argue over, but it's uh it's tough, man. It's tough. No
1: professional basketball. I'll give you that one. Fine. Um, we're lacking some things for sure, but uh like I said, my little brother. I can't um I can talk all the shit I want, but if you guys talk shit about Missouri, then I'm coming at you on Twitter. So <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take much.
0: Spencer, the Twitter finger is just always right there. Always yeah, they're
1: I'm pretty hot on that. Uh, trigger pretty much, but um, just overall to round out this Ronaldo thing, it would have been kind of cool. The move would have been probably not as criticized, I think, if he would have gone to MLS. Um, I think MLS is seen in a higher regard than the Saudi pro league. Um, People still would have gone with like the retirement talk and stuff, but it would have been kind of fun to see him in MLS, especially like cross state rival. I could really... Really, you know, dig into the not liking this guy if he's on the other side and he's our biggest rival in soccer with St. Louis City SC starting up, but um, not meant to be, man. Yeah, I I, I kind of think, like, low-key, the most impressive part
0: of all this is, like, is Sporting Kansas City putting together a competitive package to $200 million a year for the Saudi League? Like, I know the MLS finances get insane the second you start looking at literally anything with it, and it it'll break your brain, but, like man when it was like yep saudi arabia or kansas city i was like this is the most random sentence anyone's ever written no <laughs> one no one would believe this if this was just like if we had told you like i don't know man i think he's either going to saudi arabia or kansas city kansas no one would give any credibility on this pop. but yeah hey, you'd be like real life the truth is stranger than fiction i guess That's-
1: you'd be like who is he's going to saudi arabia or kansas city you're like who is this weird peruvian kid you're talking about <laughs>
0: exactly, right. the, the, the people who used to be called the ronaldo's gonna play for a team that used to be the kansas city wizards that's what <laughs> he's gonna do he's gonna be a wizard come on now
1: man it, but, it was crazy to see like of any team in mls it was like no disrespect to kansas city really but it's no like, they're they're really, really
0: good like yeah. well-run organization mm-hmm. at the mls but, level but It's just it was like
1: when you see even these big guys like come to MLS, it's always usually your big city teams like Chicago's in there a lot, all both Los Angeles teams, the New York teams, uh, Inter Miami -Miami in in there now, yeah. Yeah. Places you'd all
0: want to live, like as just as as an outsider, as a non-American, yeah. You'd go, oh, well, if I could live in one of these fancy cities with all my your glamour cities. Where would I live? And you know what? If I was making even even Ronaldo, like, you know, English League money, which, you know, insulting. I'd still probably rather live in one of those cities than uh, than Kansas City. But to each their own, I guess, man, that's that's a crazy move.
1: I mean, I can I can give you this and we can end on the Ronaldo thing here. Um, Kansas City. If you are in Kansas City listening to this, the biggest thing they got going for him is just fantastic barbecue. I've been there a few times. Just great, great barbecue. Um, That said, you take one look at Ronaldo. I don't think that guy's scarfing down many uh, racks of ribs or pulled pork sammies, so probably not the right vibe for him. Um, So yeah, I can see where the fit didn't exactly work.
0: Ronaldo doing an advertisement for like Sal's barbecue sauce or something like that and pretending he eats it all the time is... One of my new favorite things to think about. Um, Just like, you know, like the local, like, oh yeah, they're on the sleeve of the shirt and everything else like that. They're a huge deal in Kansas City. And Ronaldo would have to go there and like pretend he was having a good time. We are actually really missing out that Ronaldo's not living in Kansas for the next six months.
1: I'm saying, dude.
0: That's a reality show I would love to watch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Amazon Prime (laughs) needs to finance this to somehow make it work. That sounds like a great reality show to watch, but... We've given we've given this guy too much of our time, and if he gets the reality show, sure, we'll give you a full synopsis on it, episode let's, let's by episode.
0: Any, anything Ronaldo does is entertaining to me, and I love talking about it. So, always welcome on the rundown, Ronaldo. Keep doing just wild shit. Just keep doing um, wild
1: shit. man. Hey, he's going to Saudi Arabia. He's going to be not in like the limelight, but I guarantee you, this guy finds a way to still be just all over Twitter, almost week in and week out. So, it's, it's we're we're only like if you think about it what, six weeks tops away from him doing another Piers Morgan interview about Saudi Arabia? So, you know, the entertainment's still coming if you're a Ronaldo fan. Don't worry. Uh, the
0: the turnaround time makes – the turnaround time Ronaldo was able to exhibit this year between just betraying somebody and his former teammate makes Lukaku look like a uh, <laughs> patron state of Chelsea. So in that sad state, uh, you ready to get back to the, uh, the Premier League here with your uh, – uh with your idea for a good segment. I will let you uh let you intro this one, Spencer.
1: Yeah, so obviously we kind of referenced it off the top there, Andrew, that wow, so many fixtures to talk about. There's no way that you guys want a four-hour podcast. So how do we <laughs> kind of throw this around a little bit and get into some big storylines and stuff? Um, and we decided to kind of look at some of the big teams and surprise teams in the league this year and we're deeming this. There's levels to that shit.
0: There's levels to it. Absolutely. And, we'll,
1: and what we're going to do here is kind of look at – Uh, we picked out nine teams here. Um, five of them.
0: Restraint by your boys. Restraint. Not going over every team when we don't mean to. We're going to Restraint.
1: Yeah, and if your team is um lower level of the table, I'm sorry. This podcast – Not going to get to a ton of that. Uh, We'll reference them a little bit, a couple of thoughts as we go through these other guys. But there's just so much happening this week that we wanted to get into the big six and then a couple other guys we threw in there. But we've taken five that we're optimistic about, that things are shaping up really nicely for them this season. And we've picked out four that are a little bit more, dare I say, crisis, panicking a bit. Um, And we're going to kind of both go through this and kind of rate how we think the level of optimism or panic on these teams
0: yeah and and obviously this is a reactionary thing right this is us coming back from the break you've got one or two games under your belt so you know it's just kind of a good way for us to keep going with the current flow of the league as the league refuses to stop and even give us a moment here so i like it we're gonna give it a shot here man
1: let's do it man let's just uh let's start happy here let's start on a good note here uh all right They did draw. They did draw today against Newcastle, who we'll also talk about in this optimism category. But going into today, Arsenal was seven points clear at the top. Um, City obviously had the draw over the weekend with Everton, and yeah, they'll be eight eight now today. Yeah, they're eight now after today's tie. Yep. So looking at that. how optimistic are you feeling about Arsenal to actually go on and maybe win this title? Because I know it's been a debate for a long time here uh, about, is this for real? Is Arsenal for real? Like, could they actually win this league? And we're starting to get to points in the season where we got to start really considering them. So 1 to 10, what's kind of your optimism level for that to happen, Andrew? Um, As much as it pains me
0: to say it, I feel like right now I'm at like an 8 out of 10 with Arsenal, right? They had the adversity of losing Gabriel Jesus and outside of like not being able to break down a really well organized Newcastle team today. Right. Which a lot of people haven't been able to do this season. I've been really impressed with them. So I'm going to give it an eight because to be honest, I feel like if this was the start of the downfall for Arsenal, where like not having the striker catches up with them and maybe Nketiah is not going to be there right at that top level. I think they would have lost this game today. I think it would have been an easy one to lose one nil, and I think it would have been also. Um, I think it would have been an easy one to lose, you know, one or two nil here to Newcastle, who's been playing incredibly. And I, I'm going to give it an eight out of out of ten here. So I'm I'm very optimistic right now about how Arsenal's look this season. Also, they've got rumors about Jao Felix and other things like that, Mertic coming in. So you know, they're not exactly just sitting back and letting this one go through. Where do you have them, Spencer?
1: So I am somewhat bullish on them. Um, I'm not going to an 8 like you. I think I s- decided to settle in kind of closer to a 5. Kind of right down the middle here. I think there is lots of reason to like what's going on there. Uh, you referenced a lot of it, obviously. And Ketty has looked so good without Jesus. Um, Martinelli, Odegaard, who... This was before the pod predates the pod here, but before the season, me and you, the last few years, have kind of all just sent like some prediction stuff to each other. And I said Odegaard for player of the season. Um, I don't think that's going to happen considering Holland's just going to probably score 700 goals, but um, he's been so good, Odegaard. That is, he's been so so good, and oh, yeah. um, Saka's been amazing. The defense is held through. Saliba's so good. The midfield, we've talked about. Xhaka looking revitalized. Partey. Yep. Partey. There's a lot to like in this team. Um, and I think we do have to start taking them seriously. And the reason I think I settle in on a five is, if you look at them right now, they're sitting at 44 points through 17 games. Quick mass, I just did while you were talking there a second ago. They're on pace for 98 and a half points this year Mm -hmm. just about that's something we've only seen i know once when city got to 100 points i don't know if c's ever even hit 100 points or hit 98 even in another season um they're on a crazy crazy point pace here and i just think that at some point we kind of saw a little bit of it today they get the draw today um they're not getting losses they're not losing games except for that Mm -hmm. one united game it just feels like at some point to me still, I think that there's going to be a dip in form coming at some point. And I think right now we might start to see something here soon. If they can get through like this holiday fixture list of the games, like we're saying, they're just games after games after games. Cause I think the one thing we worry about with Arsenal is their depth potentially. um, And we're seeing them tested a little bit with Jésus out. They might make some signings and help buff that up, but the fixtures are coming fast, man. And your fitness better be all the way there. Cause if they're just a little off at a couple of days and they drop a few points here and there, they still have to play city twice. I mean, yeah. it, 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 we're not, it's not madness to think this is not me just being a city fan and being like, Oh, we could beat them both times. Like it's not crazy to think city takes six points out of those two games. And then we're looking at barely a gap at all. So right
0: that's one I think, other, yeah, that's one other win. Yeah.
1: Right. So I think that there is a lot to like about Arsenal. I'm definitely taking them seriously. But I think that they, the jury's still a little out. We still aren't even quite halfway through the season. We're only at 17. 19 will be our halfway point. So in week and a half or so, we'll be there. But lots of like, but I think I can't peg them as like the favorites just just yet.
0: All right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there. Um, I do feel like maybe I went a little bit high on the 8 out of 10 um, optimism for them, but
1: um, but they've been the best
0: this season, and they're definitely able to uh, to keep building on that.
1: Well, that's all right, Andrew, because that's definitely going to even out, because I think um, the next team we're going to talk about is your beloved Chelsea, and I think you're going to go probably too low on them. So your law no. of averages, you're going to even out here. What do, you, what do you got for Chelsea on the panic level here?
0: Here's Here's the thing, man. When the team you support doesn't have – the well we'll we'll get to city we had a bunch we had a big talk about city this weekend but i'm ready to have some thoughts there but uh when your team has obvious problems and those obvious problems like don't work out i don't think it uh surprises you i'm not mad that like they weren't able to close out Nottingham forest i was upset that it happened right didn't like that thought they played poorly but guess what this team's got a lot of issues so Am I panicking about it? No, I I think I'm going to give this a, like, and this is just to, I think, counteract all these people online who are potter out. I can't believe this has happened to our team. Like, you can't look around and see, like, oh, yeah, we have a lot of injuries and we fired the coach and the owner's gone, right? Like, there's a lot of very obvious things to be like, yeah, why isn't Chelsea playing at the best level this season? I think I'm going to give it, like, a five or a six, on the panic level, assuming it works the same way, and like a 10 would be fire everybody, right? Um, I think I'm going to give, yeah, I'm going to give Chelsea, let's give them a five, right? And that's just because at this point it's like, well, unless a lot of things change, this is kind of where they're at. They're at this level of lose a game they shouldn't, right? They're at this level of, hey, can you kill off Nottingham Forest? Nope, we can't. We have no idea what to do in the second half, and we bring in a lot of mismatched pieces here. But
1: um, I'm sure you're going to tell me that's being overly optimistic. So
0: go ahead, Spencer.
1: I actually am not going to tell you that, Andrew, because maybe maybe your propaganda has just seeped into my brain. Um, I've kind of maintained that I think this season's a bit of a free hit for Chelsea. Like obviously if you're Chelsea, you spend the money they spend. You want to be in the top four at the very least, the top six. And I think it's still to not get to the top six would be a tough year, especially if they, you know, really fall out of the race or something. They're three points back of sixth right now. Uh, Liverpool's in sixth at 28. They're on 25 Chelsea. it is. um, you know, I, I, I think they want to get into Europe. You, they definitely want to get into Europe next year. At least the Europa League. It's so
0: brutal to even have to. I.
1: I, I know, and do I think we that can it,
0: get into Europe, and that and that. See, as soon as someone else says it, I do feel like the irrational Chelsea person you see online. Like, get into Europe. What do you mean we can't get into Europe? Like, all I said about the same thing a minute ago, and you saying it made me be like, I don't like hearing this. I don't like when <laughs> other people. I don't like when other people tell me how it's going. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, continue.
1: No, you're good. I, I just and wanted
0: to share that thought. because that. Was- you're good.
1: And I I think it, to put a number on it, sorry, I kind of talked around this. I'm going to, for the second straight team, I promise not all my teams I'm putting a five. I have some hotter takes. I'm going to go five here on this one too. <laughs> I think that they need to play a little bit better than they are. But I think the big thing this season is under Potter, Chelsea needs to find a good run of form. Like I, I think a huge thing for them you watch Chelsea play at all. Like, not having Reese James be fit for a good chunk of the season now is really, really tough on them. Mm-hmm. Um, Chillwell on the other side also not being there a lot of the season. Very, very tough. They so much runs through those fullbacks, even under Potter, it seems like. Yeah, for fun, um, too.
0: Just at the back, just completely. Right. Yeah. It's- and
1: you can just, you can kind of see that the team's trying to find a competent attack and there's times where it looks good. Like the game against um, Bournemouth. Bournemouth where they went at home two nil and Havertz is scoring when he's playing up at the nine. Like that looked competent that day. It looked good for a while at Nottingham forest. And then, you know, forest yep. finds a goal. Um, Polisic's playing for him, like getting a role. I like that. That's just bias though, but whatever. Um, I think the biggest thing for Chelsea to me is be competitive like don't just be uh, roll over to these teams like at least finish in the top 10 at the end of the year i think they're going to do that they're not going to be anywhere close to relegation or anything it's a bit of an off year for them compared to chelsea standards i think but i i'm not going to crucify them with how much change they had coming into this year and sacking tuco and all that i think it's a bit of a free hit and as long as they're decent it's it's okay as long as you start to see signs of growth throughout the rest of the season, I think they're fine to me.
0: These are incredible words from a guy who has to play Chelsea twice in the next calendar week and who has some Chelsea demons to exercise that he wants to caution that we're not in the relegation battle. And as long as we finish in the top half of the table, like Arsenal isn't ripping his heart out every week, they don't completely bottle it. But, um, no, no, no. Those are those are really kind words here, Spencer. Let's get back on the optimistic uh on the optimistic level before uh I could do a complete spiral here. Um but Newcastle, tied with Arsenal today, cemented their kind of resurgence at the top of the table, right? They finished third. They were third going into the break. They come out of it, they're still in the same spot there after a uh a good draw today. Um, a better result for them than for Arsenal. But Spencer, where is your optimism level for Bruno Guimaraes and Eddie Howe's Newcastle?
1: My level for, of optimism for Newcastle is pretty, pretty high. I, um, I'm going to settle with this one on a nine, Andrew. I'm Ooh. very optimistic if I'm a Newcastle fan because I've kind of said in the past, There's more money to be spent for this team. I don't know how much of it happens in January here, but they are well ahead of schedule. They sit third right now, one point behind City. Um, What is that? Eight, nine points behind Arsenal for the lead. Yeah, that's probably out of reach for them. But it
0: was never supposed to be in reach.
1: It was never supposed to be Henry. (laughs) And they're also five points clear of Tottenham who are in fifth right now. Tottenham have a game in hand, but still, like they've got more than a game cushion on Tottenham. Finishing top four for them would be a crazy good season. Um, You referenced, obviously, they drew at Arsenal today. They got a draw against City earlier this year. I know they've had some other really good results in there. I don't have them in front of me. They've been really good against the top six. They've got one loss this year, man. One loss. One loss only the entire year so far. So... This is a team I'm very bullish on. I think they're really ahead of schedule. It would suck obviously if they do fall out of this top four race if you're a fan of theirs, but look they're they looked like they're gonna be it would take something crazy for them not to at least be in europe next next season. so I'm pretty bullish on them. I'm at a nine out of ten. Where are you at Andrew
0: Before I give my number, my question to you, I guess here is where is your floor for Newcastle right? Because they have a, like, where's your floor for where they could finish this year and still call it a good successful season and not have too much disappointment after such a strong start?
1: I think that you definitely would want top six at this point. Um, I guess I'll give it that if it just somehow really something goes wrong, like a couple injuries or something, because the depth of that squad's one thing you do worry about a little bit if they somehow finish like seventh and they're like one or two points off of sixth place, I'd still probably say it's a pretty good year. But um, if I'm a Newcastle fan, I'm probably expecting top six at this point at the very least, if not top four. Okay. Um, Okay. That,
0: that seems fair. I just want to say like, cause that was part of the argument we had with, uh, you know, with Chelsea and even with Arsenal, right. Is, well, it's not even technically halfway through the season here, right? There have been teams that have gotten off to a really hot start before, right? But it's this, this sustainability here that makes it a really special season and something they can build on. I'm going to give it a 7, and I did not think if I gave them a 7, I would be the uh, the downturn, right? I didn't think I was going to be, be the more negative one between the two of us here. But um, I've said it before about Newcastle. Say so again, I'm really impressed with – Not exactly the, like, quality of their depth, right? Like, there's a drop-off, but there is, like, a floor. They will not play a person worse than, like, Sean Longstaff, right? Like, they're going to be solid at the back, even if there are a couple injuries and that kind of thing. Um, I would have really liked to see them take this Arsenal game today, right? really would have been, like, a statement of intent. Um, And today, Arsenal, I think, was the better team, right? It wasn't quite a played-them-off-the-pitch type of thing, Right. Like what some no nils are, you know, dominated by one team and the other teams hanging on. I think it was a lot more even than that, but I'm happy to give them give them a seven here on my optimism meter. I do think just when you look behind them with how well some of these other teams want, either are playing right and we'll get to them. So I don't want to spoil all, you know, all of those teams or just the firepower that some of these teams have. I mean, not to spoil it, but we're going to talk about Spurs next and. Holy cow, have they been something else here. But when you look at just the firepower between Newcastle and Spurs, right? You know, one of those things is not like the other, just on paper.
1: Right. And just before we get off Newcastle, I did pull up um, some of their results this season. Obviously, they had the draw against City and the draw against Arsenal now that I said. But, like, look at the teams kind of behind them that are going to be chasing them for Europe here. Um, They beat Chelsea. They beat Tottenham. They beat... Beat, they drew against Manchester United. They beat Brentford. I mean, I don't know if Brentford's really going to be in there for Europe. We'll talk about them in a minute. Yeah. But they beat Fulham. Um, they they lost like last second to Liverpool. That's their only loss of the season at Anfield. It was a like ninety plus eleven mm-hmm. minute winner by Liverpool. And, so
0: and Anfield is pretty much always okay, no matter who you are, right? right. Especially to you have it
1: that close. So they're playing well against the teams that they're going to be competing for with these european spots so um yeah they've they've shown they can hang to me and i'm i'm buying what newcastle is selling at this point
0: yeah i i think the other thing that's always like surprising to me about newcastle and i think this is because a lot of their defense is so well organized and stuff like that but their goal difference is like a title challenging team right it's easy to look at the points and be like okay well they've got one loss like That's kind of fluky, right? Teams that win the title almost never win it with one loss or two losses, right? Those things are going to happen, but they've got a plus 21 goal difference right now, right? Like Arsenal has a plus 26 goal difference. City has plus 28, and I don't think goal difference is everything, right? But you don't want, like, those numbers should be comparable, right? If you're actually going to challenge at the top of the league this year and you know, it's probably the easiest way to just speak to how well they are at getting, you know, keeping a clean sheet and then they can score two or three. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about Miguel Almiron is like one of the best players in the league this year. That's insane. That's actually happening. He's proving it every week. He's going out and playing really, really well. Um, you know, like it's it's just they're getting it done, man. They're getting it done with everybody.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy what they've been able to accomplish. Um We've referenced it kind of in the past, so we don't have to really dive into this, but they spent money for sure. Like Guimara is coming in and um, Isak, who hasn't been fit really, but like he's been Trippier. good when he's been there. Trippier, Botman, like they've spent money, but some of the guys they're getting a lot out of. I, I give a lot of credit to Eddie Howe for what he's done there.
0: Oh, um, yeah. <laughs>
1: A manager, maybe up, he
0: might be coaching at uh, Chelsea next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Careful, but he's got to go to Brighton first.
0: No, no, no. Deserve real get a shot.
1: <laughs> but um, speaking of managers, let's go to a very a former Chelsea manager, a very enigmatic manager, um, who I said on Twitter today just needs a therapist because this guy cannot figure out his feelings. Antonio Conte and Spurs—they again—they lose to Aston Villa at home over the weekend um that's after they rescued a 2-2 draw last week against Brentford um
0: yeah
1: alarm bells are starting to ring ar- around uh I was going to say White Hart Lane but it's sorry it's the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium there you um go. where are your panic level at where is it at with um old you know, spurs
0: you know it's it's tough to look to be a a fan of the team in 10th and look at the team in 5th and go start ringing those bells. But that is how I feel right now, man. We talked about it on the last pod. It's just like, you might as well not even show up for the first 45 minutes. And then what we kind of said about them was, well, they sure show up for the last 45 minutes. If you're going to lose 2-0 to Villa, right? I'm not getting that wrong, right? Yeah. I mean, 2-0 to Villa, but like they didn't have a foothold in the game, right? Like every once in a while, if you're like a kind of a mid tier mid top tier team right sometimes villa's gonna come up and get you right it's not gonna be your night whatever it hasn't been spurs night for like i mean two weeks of game time but you know three months right like when was it like the last time spurs anybody felt good about spurs it was when thomas tuchel was still coaching chelsea right like because there was a lot of fight and they fought back and everything else like that but even in that game they didn't play in the first half and they had to rally back like there's only so much you can do like to do this. So for my panic level, I'm going to go at seven. Only reason I'm not going higher is there are people named Harry Kane and Heung-min song who can rescue even the most desperate teams, right? If you're going to be a team, that's going to be needing a late crazy offensive push. Start a couple of those guys and have the on the bench, right? Like you have the horses to run and play that way. Even if, you shouldn't, right? Even if there are better ways to do it. And obviously it's not working well for them right now. Um, but I'm going to give it a seven, man. Cause I don't know where, I don't know where they go from here. Like it doesn't seem to be another big move on the horizon for, for them, right? They've been quiet so far in January. It doesn't mean they won't make a move or something like that, but I don't, I don't know, man. This is, this is not a good run for them.
1: Well, let me um, put some optimism on this, Andrew, because I've come in sensationally more optimistic with you at your, quite frankly, your just irresponsible seven. I've come in at a six.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well measured.
1: Um, Look, I echo a lot of the things you just said. There are a lot of problems there. The only reason I have not totally like hit the panic alarms at this point with them is Look, Antonio Conte was talking about that he's not right for the job after like five games when he was there last year at Burnley. Like This guy is a (laughs) psychopath, but he's a psychopath that, look, as bad as things have been for them, they're still in what, fifth, fourth, fifth fifth now after United today. Um, They sit in fifth. They're only five points out of the top four. I I tend to think that Conte is going to figure this out enough to where they're at least in and around the top four all year. And honestly, like maybe if you're a Spurs fan and you're listening to this and you think it's demeaning, you can tell me, but I think for the most part, Tottenham's a club that's kind of looking to be in Europe. Like the Europa league is not, if they finish fifth, it's not a total catastrophe. If the teams in front of them are good. Now the the argument might be that there might be a couple of teams in front of them in Europe that aren't that good, but, um, I don't know, man. I, there's there's a lot to be worried about for sure. Like you referenced uh, Son a second ago. He's not been himself this year. He's not been that good. And we saw like a flash of it with that run that he made against Portugal at the World Cup was so vintage and amazing. And that pass he played through to get them to the knockout round. But with Spurs, it's just, it hasn't looked like it's clicking so much. Um, Kulishevsky and Richarlison have both been better than him playing on those wings and... They need him to find some form to hopefully rescue a European spot or a top four Champions League spot, I should say.
0: And you bring up a good point. Like The attack for this team has a lot more World Cup miles on it than everybody else does, right? Uh, or not than everybody, but then a lot of teams do because they truly don't have the depth, right? Um, Kane and Son need to play every game. Richarlison needs to play every game. And all three of those guys were, I mean, you could check it, but... Probably the leading scorers for their teams that had really difficult World Cup runs. Like I think Kane probably ended up being the world's the the scorer for uh um for England and maybe Neymar took Richarlison on penalties, right? So, like maybe I'm wrong on that, but they were absolutely workhorses for their countries and they all had a lot of expectations, right? Song goes into every World Cup with South Korea knowing it's all on him, right? Harry Kane has to carry this English attack and, you know, the expectations are always so weighty on a Brazil and, uh, and in England. So maybe there's an argument. I mean, I'd love to keep the panic meter at a seven for them, but maybe there's an argument like if they go out in a couple of these cup tournament, you know, the FA cup, the league cup, that sort of thing. Right. And kind of get their legs back under them. Maybe they can kind of, pick it up a little bit here in the second half but i mean this is not the year to have to need rest right it just isn't and like we talked about it with chelsea and how many injuries they have but tottenham certainly needs like two weeks off it feels like to get everybody right and they're not they're not gonna get it
1: yeah and i think maybe to be a little bit fair to them um they did very un Tottenham like. They were very active this last summer. They bought in a lot mm-hmm. of people, much like Chelsea did, and they're still looking for some chemistry there. Like, just off the top of my head, they bought Richarlison in, they bought uh, Basuma in, Parisic came in, um, Longley, I believe, was also this past summer. So they're trying to find a bit of chemistry sometimes, it looks like, out there, a little bit of competency and flow. Um, but. Yeah, I, I tend to think that they're going to figure out this whole being in Europe thing. Um, but I'm sure that Spurs fans, that's not really good enough for them. Um, mm-hmm. They would really want to be top four. Like they, their expectation, I'm sure, is to be top four. It,
0: they, they sure like to think it is, and then they start doing the math every year of, uh, well, okay, well we're not going to be our, we're not going to be City. If we can kind of just compete, like. Every year, their aspirations are higher based on the names they have, right? And their performance. Like, it's very hard for them, I feel like, to overachieve because they set a bar a little bit too high, right? They don't have a world-class midfield, and they definitely don't have world-class defenders, right? That's what separates Arsenal and City right now is they have legitimate world-class talent, right, that's playing like that at all three levels. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Tottenham might have the best just attacking players as a whole when you set that group aside versus anybody else, but they need the rest of the team to pick them up. And it just you know, if you take a little bit of a little bit of energy off of that front line, right, all of a sudden they can't generate anything. Right, they're having a really hard time.
1: Yeah, and I I think there's some validity validity to that for sure. I I do think that they have improved the midfield and the defense. Like Mm Bettencourt has been really good. He's obviously hurt, but um, Bettencourt and Hoiberg, like a lot of people complain about them. I think we talked about this like two pods ago. I think they're pretty okay, like pretty good um, players. I'd be pretty comfortable with that. I think Christian Romero is really good, but like, Eric Dyer at the back just doesn't seem to be it. Yeah. Like um, at fullback, there's stuff to be desired there. So yeah, man, uh, we've also talked about like not having a, you know, real like 10 that's a playmaking midfielder. So there's definitely things to be concerned about there. I I think that's, uh, look, we just referenced it as like not being halfway through, but we're almost halfway through. And I think, you know, I, I think they are they we we had a whole break of them like not playing for a month at the World Cup and they come back and they're exactly what they were when they left. So I, I think at some point we've to be start accepting them but, for being this tired. weird team. They're, they're yeah. exactly the same but more
0: tired. Yeah. All the people who needed to not put miles on, put miles on. They
1: basically for sure. didn't
0: they basically didn't get an oil change and drove across the country. <laughs> like eventually that bill comes due and your car's in trouble here, but um, I think we're ready to move to more optimistic talk. I, I mean, this is a little uh, – it, it feels better to talk bad about Spurs than it does for Chelsea, but I, I think we're ready to get back to the positives. Absolutely streaking right now, flying up your Premier League table, flying up the Premier League table and into the hearts of anybody watching them. The Bees, Spencer, where do you have your – positivity, your optimism level here for Brentford as we approach the second half.
1: Andrew, the bees are buzz- buzz- buzzing. 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 <laughs> um, I put out a tweet the other day. Some Brentford fans picked it up. Hope you're listening so you can hear us You know, gush about your team a little bit here because this is a team now. Beat United 4-0. Beat City 2-1. Beat Liverpool 3-1 the other day. And they have draws against Chelsea and Tottenham. Is that good? That's I, I think there's a lot of top six teams that would take that run against the rest of the top six for sure. So mm-hmm. Brentford, um, optimistic-wise, uh, look, I think that if you're Brentford, if you're finishing top 10 coming into this season, you are remarkably happy. I think that is it unfair to say that uh, neither of us picked them to be relegated? I think we both had them staying up, but... You know, I th- think that we both would have been somewhat thinking that they are going to be in and around that relegation battle. They're nowhere close to that. So I think their goal to finish like mid table, if that's what I'm setting my optimism off, I'm putting it at a nine for this as well, that they are going to be comfortably mid table. They're not going to be anywhere sniffing that relegation fight. And they might even push for a European spot. I think that's a little lofty, but I think top 10 looks pretty pretty comfortable potentially for them
0: yeah i'm gonna jump in here and give brentford absolutely a 10 um when you're a lot of this is about where your expectations had to be to start the season right because that's that's what you gotta measure it against brentford was a team that the only thing people really said about them preseason was what oh they lost christian erickson that's kind of what gave them that spark last year right like it's a very well Coach team it's a very well organized team. should Ivan Tony be playing for England? I don't know like that's the only thing people said about Brentford. They are flying around right they're incredibly solid in the back. Ivan Tony's looked like a world beater and Brian and Bueno man, like talk about a guy who you know if he was doing this at the age of I think he's like twenty six now I want to say twenty five or twenty six right? If he was doing this at twenty one or twenty two Chelsea would be putting in a hundred million dollar bid for the guy right he he's a dynamic playmaker him and tony basically play up there by him front and then they bring in um oh is it uh Wissa right is am i saying it right is like their third striker they bring that guy in and he's getting scrappy goals and he flies man you talk about a guy with pace um but just this type of well organized play no nonsense football right get the ball up the field it's kind of fun to watch right they play differently than a lot of teams right they're happy to sit back and they're not afraid to dive in and they get goals off set pieces which is how they've kind of always done this but they're better than a lot of teams they're playing on a week in week out basis man i'm i give them an easy 10 an easy 10 as they sit in ninth place because like realistically every year their season right is the race to 40 points right how not to get relegated right keep making the money keep moving the thing along they're at 26 points, not even halfway through the season, right? Their goal of let's not get relegated, right? Let's try to get into that mid-tier is gone. You're ahead of the mid-tier. You're you're rolling. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, they're they're literally pushing for Europe right now. I, I think maybe the one of the only reasons I've said 9 instead of 10 here is... Coward. The, <laughs> I'm a <laughs> coward for one, and for two, the Ivan-Tony thing looms a little bit large. Like, is he right. going to be suspended at some point? But you know he didn't play the other day against liverpool and they still beat liverpool 3-1 so yeah they
0: they they bossed liverpool
1: yeah they they
0: ran the game
1: like and just just like a couple other guys that um you know you look at their squad you need a couple of them and like Vissa and Embuemo, but like Norgard's been really good Rico Henry yeah. um Josh da Silva's been really good um or Ryan, this, I really like their goalie as
0: as somebody with Chelsea has an eye on uh, goalies around the world. I think Ryan right.
1: would look good in, a, in a blue shirt, but even like Ben me, has been pretty good for them at the back. So uh, look, man. Yeah. I, I'm definitely with you. I, I think that when you put it like preseason wise, yeah. Race to 40 points type of thing. Mm-hmm. They sure look like they're going to fly past that. Um, even if Tony's out of there, so I'm not going to go full on 10 here, but a nine, a strong nine. And, um, yeah i i think the bees are going to keep buzzing here a soft nine from spencer um speaking of soft
0: let's get into our panic level club spencer who's up next who do we got on the list buddy
1: i believe the next club is a uh, club near and dear to my heart uh oh on the no blue, the blue half of manchester Did they get put in the wrong
0: one is this a typo we should be optimistic they're second in the table what's what's going
1: on buddy Oh, well, what's going on is that uh, <laughs> when you win the league like, you know, 12 times in the last like 14 years or whatever, that's an exaggeration. So don't like <laughs> scream at your radios, man, United fans. I know you were good like 10 years
0: ago. I was about to. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> I know Chelsea's been good. I know it's not that many. But when you win the league with the, the frequency City has as of the last, what, six, seven, eight years, mm-hmm. um, your expectations are to win the league. And it's not really any wiggle room for anything. So there has to be a bit of panic when you are eight points back of Arsenal uh, at this point in the season, almost halfway through. Um I'll let you go first and then I'll kind of, you know, unpack what yeah, you got I'm to say. Let's, let's me. get the, let's get the third party, the unbiased third party here first. What, what's your well, panic level? One to 10. So, so
0: he, I mean, this is a little bit behind the curtain, right? But like Spencer, we gave city on Saturday, the Chelsea treatment, which to me is, chelsea i'm nervous about it the lineup comes out i send spencer an entire list of what i think about every single person in that lineup and then there's a post-game recap right it's pretty much a one-sided conversation but spencer gets those texts we did that for city on saturday and the conclusion i came to right trying to watch it be in the game watch the whole thing or for the you know most of the whole game right really get into what's happening is the only way to make this team any better is to have a less talented team because there's no reason you should ever lose. Right? There's no injury that should keep anybody out without a really good world-class level replacement. You don't can't blame the coach. You can't blame the recruitment staff. It's not that there's no depth. Everybody's playing pretty well this year. And then to just go and lay an egg, man. I... I'm... <laughs> So here's, here's the real part of it, right? My panic level, one. I give this a one on the panic level. You have the best roster constructed, right, out of anybody. You're too deep at positions most teams don't have one guy, right? You've got, I think, the best coach in the world, and I don't think there's an argument for that outside of Klopp or Zidane maybe, right? But, like, you know, this I love, you know, we're we're very good friends here. I love watching a little strife come into your life, a little soccer tension as we don't know what to do. Am I worried about this? No, because superficially, the only real response I could come up with on Saturday, immediately after that game was, yeah, might as well gut the team and have an actual problem because it just didn't go your way. But it's frustrating. I'm not saying it's not frustrating and not a horrible time because I, look, we both are very passionate about our teams. We live through this, right? But there's nothing wrong. Who didn't? Who do you want to get rid of? Jack Grealish for Phil Foden? Oh, that's a hell of a take. Right, one guy who starts for England versus the other guy who starts for England, or you know, can play for England at the international level at the same position. You guys are three deep at every position, man. Like, it's crazy,
1: but it's true. So I, I actually, I, don't, I get to be a little more pessimistic than on this. Um, not a ton more. I don't think that this is. I'm not at panic stations or anything yet. I've gone with a three here. Um, kind of based on a few things. I, I As I said with Arsenal, I, I'm not super bullish on them keeping up this pace. And I think that City has just shown that they have an ability almost every single year they seem to do it, that they do something crazy like rattle off f- 13, 14 straight wins or something. And I... And I think they're going to make and you
0: play Chelsea twice. So that's that's just the momentum you guys need. Maybe you said it earlier. We're in the mud, man. This is, this is a cakewalk Thursday.
1: Maybe, maybe, my friend. But um, I'm going to go three because I think there are things to worry about. I have kind of said it, I believe, last week that there's just these weeks where. just something's not clicking offensively. And I think that as great as Holland has been, this team kind of is still at times figuring out how to play with a striker. It seems like Um, there's times where they're really reluctant to just throw it into Holland. And there's times where they're just bombing balls in and teams are taking that away and they're trying to find that perfect, Piece. They seem to play better against better teams when they're playing teams that kind of are on like a low block type of thing and aren't trying well, to be You guys positive. are
0: really like, in trouble on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm mean like teams that try to have a little bit of possession and play a little I bit know. of like soccer with them, which Chelsea I would believe for wherever they are in form would try to do that. But um, yeah, they seem to really struggle against these teams that kind of sit back against them and just are willing to counter. And um, I mean, look, I can't go too pessimistic here. It's kind of what you said the other day. And I agreed with you wholeheartedly when we were texting where you were just like, nothing really wrong happened. Just city just drew it just happened. And I'm like, yeah, it just, it feels like these just happens things are just happening more often than usual so far this year. Um, but I don't know, man. I think that they still are going to be right in there for the title race at the end of it. I, I still think they have a really good run in them, and I can't be full on pessimistic about it. Um, the draw today between Newcastle and Arsenal helped. What didn't help is watching Brighton go to Everton and wallop them four <laughs> one. The only reason it was one for Everton was that they won a penalty in like the very last minute of the stoppage uh-huh. time. Yeah. So um, that, that-, that
0: was a, that was like a little brother penalty. It was like we don't want them to quit. You know, yeah. You know. We, we yeah. got to like send he these home. Was- if he goes upstairs and cries to mom, I'll be in trouble. Somebody knock somebody over in there. Come
1: on. 100%. So, um, yeah, there, were, there was good and bad today. But, um, you know, I'm overall pretty okay with it. I think City's going to figure this out, man.
0: Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think the only other thing to that is just like the same way we were talking about like preseason expectations for Brentford, right? The preseason expectation for City is to run away with this league. Right. And they're not.
1: Yeah. And um, you worry about it. I mean, to be fair, they are sitting in second. So, yeah, you want them to run away with the league, but it's not like they're out of the title race. They're in there. And at some point, you got to say we haven't played the team that's in front of us. And that team is playing at a 98 point pace, which is like cities. If City gets a 98 point pace, that's a great season even for City. So, mm-hmm. I, I think that there are definitely reasons to worry. If Arsenal has lost, you know, two games this year, if two of those draws are losses, and it's even closer, a few more points, then, you know, we're having a completely different conversation. I know that's like fantasy talk here, but mm-hmm. it's and fine guys, margins, I think.
0: And do you guys play Everton again, or do you have anything to worry about? Because
1: apparently... <laughs> I believe <laughs> you we can go you to i can't do with Sim the
0: still. topic, man. I, Aaron. <sighs> We talked about Everton a lot. We can't talk about Everton today. They are not worth (laughs) talking about a team not worth talking about. But holy cow, is that like the least talented team I've ever seen.
1: I think I just had, like, this was all, like, just (laughs) written in the stars because I so aggressively shat on them. Was it last podcast before we played them? And then very worried
0: pregame. Very worried pregame about Everton. And I'll be honest, man, I didn't even read those messages. I told you. Like, you were like, I don't know. I don't feel good about this Everton game, man. And I seriously, like, looked at the text, like, rolled back over and went to – like, you know what I mean? Like, I looked at the text and went – I'm not gonna talk about Everton before they start playing. Like Everton, there's nothing to worry about with Everton. And sometimes it's who she tells you not to worry about, man. That's
1: who Sometimes, man. But uh that's an that's enough of uh putting me in the dumps a little bit here. Let's uh let's talk about another positive team, Andrew. And yes, this sir. is this is one that I I've been watching quite a bit of this team lately. Whenever they're on, I find myself wanting to watch them. Full that is ham-merica. full ham America. Big meat, Timmy Ream, the American Anthony dream. Jedi Robinson at the back. Mm-hmm. Polina in the midfield. This team, there's a lot to uh, like about this team, man. J Jay J Jay The guy deserves it. We got to get it right. Fair enough. Jay Polina. And then your boy, Mr. is
0: the speaker on himself, Alexander Mitrovich up top.
1: Man. This guy is quickly becoming one of my favorite players in world football. The
0: Serbian sensation.
1: He's so fun to watch this know, year, man. man. He's he just—he's like, well, a let's let's start with a. Selfishly, I find myself picking him on DraftKings a lot, and he's always cashing in for me because he's just scoring goals at will. It seems like b. He's just so fiery out in the field. Like watching this guy play, it's just he's literally just yelling at the ref almost the entire time. He's going into challenges hard. He's just, everything he does is at like 110%. It's just, I love watching him, man. He's been one of my favorite players to watch this year. And I, I put Fulham up there as one of the teams I've really liked to like surprise wise, one of the most surprisingly fun teams to watch. Um, Polina for one, Jay Polina. Sorry. Sorry. Jay, we Jay Polina. We're um, we're obviously big USMT fans, and the uh, the Usmit only account the other day put one out that was saying that Polina is the only Jay Polinia. God damn it, Spencer! Jay Polinia <laughs> is the only player to have more tackles this season than Tyler Adams, and we all have you know sung folk songs about Tyler Adams. But this guy's been so good in the midfield, and this team with, under Marco Silva, man, they have been one of the biggest surprises of the year. So what, what number are you giving them,
0: Spencer, or did I miss it? I'm so sorry if I did.
1: I, I just got totally into gushing, and I just did I know, not even get a That's number was, out there. You, uh, you go
0: ahead. Give, give me a number, then I'm going to
1: equally gush. So I think that this was a team that, even over Brentford, I think me or you may have both had them being relegated before the year. I don't remember off the top of my head. I Either way, I know we both would have had them around it. Mm-hmm. This team's sitting seventh right now. They're above even Brentford, who we just gushed about a minute ago. They're two points ahead of Brentford. I am – this is – I've reserved my perfect 10 for Fulham. Fulham America, I'm giving them a perfect 10, man. And he
0: undersells it again. Fulham, 11. I give him an 11, I'd give him a 12 <laughs> if I could. Listen, we there is nothing set out about you only give one team a 10. And if I'm giving Brentford a 10, I'm giving Fulham an 11. They basically, they've been a yo-yo team for years, right? They get promoted. Mitrovic scored 40 goals in the, in the championship last year. Can he replicate that? The answer's been no for like three seasons, right? What are we going to do? Get Tom Kearney out there and some younger guys and run around and have like an older defense. Is that going to work? I don't know. It really worked in the championship. The boys are flying. Give me an 11.
1: Yeah. And it's literally just, sorry to cut you off for a second. It's literally, was like the joke forever coming into this yeah. season was it's Norwich and Fulham just yo-yo back and forth between the championship. Hey. Like it's, oh, it's a Norwich year this season. Nope. Now it's a Fulham year. Nope, now it's a Norwich oh. year again. And it's Fulham's true. like, no, we're fucking done with that. We're playing against no, Norwich in the fucking not. league next year.
0: <laughs> well, and and I think Norwich just fired their manager. I think Norwich oh, is in man. the mud in the championship a little bit, but yeah. Oh. Um, the world is upside no, down. But here's, no, but here's, what's, here's what Fulham did. They're like, yeah, we're going to run it back. Give me William from eight years ago with Chelsea. He can play on the wing. And then just bring me one man named Jay Paulina. Bring him to me. And all of a sudden, everything's beautiful. Everything works. It, like, the way they play is so fun to watch. When they get on, like, a little attacking thing pass, 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 move, Jedi's flying up the left-hand side, Williams cutting in on it, Williams cutting in on his right, and then all it takes is just you find they have a, a bunch of guys in this attack, right, that can kind of turn that key, and Mitrovich is not missing, right? Like, I, I feel like his, like, chances, like, how many chances he scored versus how many chances he receives, if Erling Holland didn't exist, right, Mitrovic would be up there for, like, the golden boot for sure, and player of the year, because what is this? He's just scoring goals for fun. Man. He's he's a monster, and I just think like, Burn Leno, just show like Burn Leno plays for this team, right? He gets ran out of Arsenal, and he's like, no, I'm just gonna move across town, put some clean sheets together, you know, hang out with uh, Tim Ream, the American Dream Jedi Robinson. We'll throw the right side of the defense together. Like, I, I give them an eleven, and they deserve an eleven. They deserve an eleven. You underselling them a 10 is insulting.
1: I'm a coward, I guess. I don't know. We've just established this podcast. I am just a complete coward. Didn't even think <laughs> to go off the scale. See, he's yeah, not yeah. too
0: happy with Serbia and Qatar. He got a little cute during the World Cup, and he still maybe, pulled it off with his Argentina pick. So now he wants to come back to the Premier League and play it safe. Play maybe it that was safe. the problem
1: is that uh, I would have given them 11, but like Mitrovic, I still have just a little, a tiny, tiny bit of just, you know, grudge over Serbia, just completely making that pick look bad. But on Fulham, man, um, I think this is something we really have to step back and look at. Cause we're both obviously top six fans, uh, or fans of top six clubs, yeah. big six clubs, um, for Fulham, like their last three, since the restart, they go to crystal palace, win three nil. They go at home to Southampton, win two, one, and then they go to Leicester today and win one, nothing. And yep. Yeah, Southampton, they're having a really bad year. They're in a bad moment. You'd want to win that one when you're at home for sure. But like mm-hmm. going to Palace and Leicester, Leicester for however uneven kind of their season's been, yeah. those are really good results for a team that you would expect to be in a relegation battle coming into the year. Yeah. Those are re- remarkably good results. And even if I go back before the restart, their two results before that were they had two one defeats to both City and United, but they were right. both both those games were Really uh, st- stoppage time winners for City scored yeah. in like the 96th minute and United scored in like the 93rd. So like they're competitive against the big six even when they play them and this is a team that's they're not going to be anywhere near the bottom of that table even more so than Brentford. I no, talked about could, a minute couldn't ago. couldn't be if
0: they tried. I don't want to even see if something happens this year. I don't even want to see it flying high Fulham in with an 11 from your boy um, a team not receiving an 11. I don't want to spoil it here but Spencer Jurgen Klopp out. What? What's your plan here? Are we firing Jurgen?
1: There's no way we're firing Jurgen. <laughs> I have seen these. I've seen these takes from some deranged people, but that's we're nowhere near that. That said, I am a bit worried about this team, uh-huh. but not to that level at all. Um, I have decided on Liverpool to kind of the same elk of Tottenham of how we talked about. Like at some point, you are what you are. We're almost halfway through, and you have these same problems. I, I'm feeling that for Liverpool, too. I've gone for considering their expectations, as we kind of referenced this whole time. This is a team that wanted to compete for a title this year. I've gone for a seven on Liverpool. Ooh. I, I think that they're, they're going to be clawing to get into the top four at this point. And if you told them that preseason, uh, especially after bringing in Your a 100 million...
0: Your, your top four is <laughs>
1: <laughs> but for liverpool to try to get in there like uh, spoiler alert i if i was picking today wouldn't put him in there but like this is a team that bought in a 100 million dollar 100 million pound whatever the fuck it is striker like that we make fun of basically week in and week out on this podcast they spent big money they're bringing in gagpo now so you like to see how that works out but Virgil Van Dyke does not look like Virgil Van Dyke from a few years ago. He looks he, he hasn't for kind of a while since that ACL surgery, and it's hasn't necessarily affected him. Like I—I I think I've heard a lot of people say that he hasn't been the same since the ACL surgery. I, I mean, this is still a guy that took them to a Champions League final last year. I think he's still very, very good, but he's just not that elite elite level that he was a few years ago um this midfield looks lost a lot of the time they can't keep tiago on the pitch um they're playing guys like oxlade chamberlain um i i believe in harvey elliott long term but the kid's only like 18 years old yeah. uh fabinho doesn't look quite as good as he's been in years past Nabi kata can't even break into the team um there's a lot to worry about here. They're still running James Milner out a lot of weeks, man. Like, I, I think there's there's a lot of holes in this team that uh, we didn't really see coming into the year.
0: Yeah, well, and it's like, it's the holes are where you wouldn't expect them to be, right? Like, it's not a secret to say like, hey, this Liverpool midfield is not the youngest group, right? But a team with Henderson, Thiago, Harvey Elliott, right? All those kind of guys is not, we're expecting to see holes, right? If someone can fix it, it's Klopp, right? Uh, Nabi Keda aside, um, but they have uh, one of the like their midfield does not impress me, and then their backline is just tough, man. Sala isn't turning in these world class performances. Like, what do you think the attack should do? Like, where that? I guess let's start there. What? How do you fix this attack? Is Cody Gakpo
1: enough? Um. I think he definitely helps. Like, like I said, they've been running Oxlade to Chamberlain out on that wing the last few games. Um, they obviously have some injuries and stuff, but still, that's not ideal. Um, I think Gakbo's is definitely going to help things in the attack. But I, the, the attacks, what I worry less about with them. Honestly, it's the midfield and the defense that's rearing its head to me. Obviously, at wing back, they're so so good. At least going forward, I think there's plenty of attacking options in this team, but they're just getting played through the middle of the park. And like the spine of the team that we reference so often has not been good. that starts with Nunez up top, not being able to put away these chances. I know he's creating a lot of chances and getting on the end of a lot, but you know, at some point you got to start putting them in the net, and not count on whoop, whoop phase, put them into that for you.
0: <laughs> First of all, that was the worst defender performance I've seen and. In- what feels like 30 years. Seriously, that th- those two were so bad by Woot. Um, but like they, quote unquote, solved their big problem. Right. Which was a striker. And the problem wasn't even a striker. It was replacing Mane, Right. Because for Mino, never an out and out striker. He's a very good player. But, you know, it's everything else he gives you that makes him such a good, valuable member. But they have just no... I mean, I I think I said this to you the other day. I don't remember if it was on pod or not, but Darwin Nunez is currently playing like the kid in a teen sports movie where you'd have to give him like the ugliest taped up glasses and now all of a sudden he's great because he can see what's going on. He's wide left like Miami, (laughs) like the University of Miami football team, man. He misses all the time trying to find the corner, makes a great run, and like... In the past, that run was either by Salah, right, scoring forty goals a season—at least it felt like it—or Mane, and those guys like Salah's not firing, Mane's in Bayern, and I don't know what the rest of this is going to be, right?
1: Yeah, Um, definitely plenty to worry about with Liverpool. I think Um, I I think that they're not going to be in this title race for sure. Um. So, yeah, I I think when you take that into account, this is a really big letdown of a season considering what their expectations were. And, um, yeah, I'm going to go with a seven. Did you go a number there, buddy? I I might have missed it. No,
0: I I think I kind of just got lost in the Darwin Nunez sauce because that is just such a... Happens to the best of us, man. I know it's a a thing near and dear to your heart, and then you come on this podcast, you downplay it. But uh, um, I go with... I go with a five and the only reason I go that low is because I don't think because the league truly feels kind of out of reach for them. Right. And that is where they started, but I'm not worried about them. Like not finishing in Europe. Right. With Klopp, Salah, there's going to be enough of these teams. They run up against like a Bournemouth where they like, that was this year they beat Bournemouth nine, nothing. Yeah. Right. Like there are enough teams like that where it's like, Oh, they play Southampton great, they're going to score five goals and beat the dog shit out of them, right? There's going to be those types of games. And I'm not worried about them finishing that low. Like, 10 feels insane, right? Six feels okay. Maybe they don't make gear up. I would love it. But it feels... I, I can't really bet against Klopp in that way. I'm going to give it a five.
1: But I would just say, like, is. As- Europe, like is Europa League enough for them? I don't think Europa League is enough for them if I'm a Liverpool fan. Like that's a very, if they finish fifth or sixth, that's a bad season for them. I think that's where their level is at.
0: Well, okay, let's be honest. The teams who every year say if you're not top four, it's a failure of a season are how many teams? City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United. Spurs say that every year, right? So that's five teams without even thinking about it. I'm sure I'm missing someone just because I'm naming teams off the top of my
1: head, which is. I think mean, you didn't easy. say Arsenal. It's basically the big six. I Arsenal, would agree. Right. That.
0: Yeah, and they all say top four or bust, and that's why the Europa League exists to give those teams kind of a cushion, right? Of okay, well, we still made Europe, and maybe all our players won't leave, right? Because that's exactly what happens to like this year. West Ham is going to lose like everybody, right? Not to bring up a team that. Although there's not even panic for West Ham. It's just kind of a post-mortem on what are they doing? How bad is it going to get? But like, if you played for West Ham this year or last year, in the last couple of years, you stayed with them this year. And I'm not just talking about Declan Rice, even though I am, you stayed with them to push, to build on a great year where you guys got into Europe or you were very close to getting into Europe, whatever it ended up being. Right. And they've done the opposite, right? (laughs) They're, floundering and now like if you're I was talking about Aaron Cresswell I like Aaron Cresswell the other day he should immediately push for a move in the summer because this is a horrible place to be right you're fighting in relegation you didn't stay there to do that
1: yeah and I guess I totally get your point about there's six teams that say it's top four bust kind of I just think with Liverpool for me the debate coming into the year was who's winning the league city or Liverpool like Arsenal wasn't even a thing so I think when I just Take that into account. This is kind of a complete failure of a season. If they were to like finish Europa League spot, not even in the Champions League, I think that's a horrific season for them. Yeah,
0: and, and they're still in the Timo Werner, my striker can't score sweet spot where you talk about, man, it's just, you know, but he really gets open. He really runs that line perfectly. I know he's not finishing, but those goals will come. Sometimes they don't ever show up. I don't want to, <laughs> it's, a secret. it's a secret, but sometimes they never
1: come. They have to learn on their own.
0: And I love Timo Werner. Look, man, Darwin Nunez is pretending to be a five ten German man right now, and it's team over. Um, to get well, into get people to... who are scoring goals, who yeah. are scoring goals and playing well. Unfortunately, Spencer, how do you feel about the boys across town, Manchester United, on the optimism level? Sweeping in, sitting a pretty fourth, a pretty fourth right now, tied on points with uh, with Newcastle.
1: Yeah, um, look, Where's I can't game beat game? around the, yeah. I can't, I can't beat around the bush here, man. Um, United have been pretty fucking good lately. They've been Rashford firing again, which is scary. This is a guy that's been so good for them in the past. Um, they've got Casemiro looking amazing in the midfield. He's just sliding there really it? nicely. The defense looks good. David de Gea looks, you know, kind of more like vintage David de Gea again. They're getting stuff out of like Luke Shaw, yeah, going back. Um, look, they seem to have gotten rid of that cancer of Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> and <laughs> they've just kicked on since then. Um, I, I think for United, it's even not even just coming into this year. I think that top four was a lofty goal for most people just because they kind of had resigned to the fact of this is similar to Chelsea of 10 hog coming in and just kind of having a bit of a free hit. Like we just want to see progress this year Um, coming into the year. We were like that. And then you see them, they had some horrifying results. Like I've talked about like losing in the Derby to city, the way they did Um, getting just absolutely played off the pitch by Brentford at Brentford early in the season.
0: Which looks better and better every day. It,
1: that that is looking better and better, but um, but it, but look,
0: it happened. It was
1: bad. It's happened, and look, uh, all that aside, though, there's still been some weird results in there for sure. But they've been firing the last couple months, kind of since that city loss. They've seemed to have turned it on pretty good since then. Um, they have a, since then. That was on the second of October. They've got a draw against Newcastle, which looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah. They've got a draw against Chelsea, which is fine. Woo! Another top six team. Um, and they lost like kind of right before the break to Aston Villa at Villa 3 1. But Villa's putting some good results and stuff too lately. So
0: yeah.
1: I think on United, um, considering where their expectations were, I got to give them like a solid eight here, man. Um, things are kind of coming together faster than I think any of us would have expected a couple months ago.
0: Yeah. And, and that's. It literally is like the the all-time example of addition by subtraction, right? Oh, we got rid of Cristiano Ronaldo, and literally everything is better. All of a sudden, our coach that we brought in to lead us with ideas and a different style of football, they can play it. And then, like, I don't know what's going on with Jaden Sancho. I think it's important to bring it up every time when you just want to make sure you're putting a little bit of uh, united negativity into the universe. I think it's important to have there as we gush about them, but – um, Marcus Rashford looks like the best, you know, he looks like the next guy, right? If he's going to keep playing like this right now. That's where his ceiling looks like right now. Is there anything he can't do? They got Anthony Martial to be a goal scorer again, right? He was a good, promising young player. And then the thing that's killing me is like Luke Shaw looks great. Casemiro looks great. And then they bring in like Garnacho, right? Garnacho, however you say it. And he looks good right? Anthony was looking good, right? Like they're they're they haven't missed in a little bit. Right? Usually the fun part of rooting against Manchester United are the misses. Right? Oh, Pogba? Yeah, you guys will be the best midfield for a decade. That didn't quite materialize. Oh, Ronaldo? Oh, who's going to stop him from scoring? Uh himself and then his teammates and then his coach. Right? <laughs> like down the list of like how is this going to fail? You know, like we're not laughing about Alessandro Martinez today. Like, you know, like that's kind of where we were a couple of months ago is laughing about that. And unfortunately as a Chelsea fan, I don't have a lot to laugh about. I got a lot to feel a little jealous about because
1: it looks nice. Yeah. yeah. And if I was going to sprinkle a little bit of pessimism in here, because which I am important. a, which is, I'm, important a sal- I'm a, yeah, it's just, it's context, you know, just context, um, mm-hmm. from a possibly, you know, salty across town fan. Um, They've been really good since the restart, man. But at some point, you do have to look at it and be like, okay, they've looked really good against Nottingham Forest, Wolves, and Bournemouth, it's three teams that are right there in like the relegation fight. So they've looked really good in these games. I'm not, den- I'm not denying that. Like City just lost to a team that not lost, sorry. Basically, it felt like a loss. They just drew against a team that was in a relegation fight in Everton. So, um, just to put a little bit of context to it, I do want to see them do it against some bigger sides they've done it against bigger sides of the season like they are the only team that's beat arsenal this year so far they Mm -hmm. did beat liverpool uh earlier this year they've had some good results in there but they've also gotten walloped by city like i've referenced so you want to see them do it against some of the bigger teams um i think they beat spurs also to be fair but yeah it's uh it's all looking good right now um but you do kind of wonder what might happen when they face a little bit more adversity. This is a team that's kind of their thing over the last few years has been, they get into some really bad runs and they can't dig themselves out of it effectively. So
0: well, pretty optimistic, uh, but
1: I there's, there's things to worry about. I think still, sorry.
0: Their, their next, no, you're fine. Their next two games in the league are Saturday, January 14th against you at six 30 in the morning. Good to know. That's how my Saturday is going to look two weeks from now. I'm waking up at six 30 in the morning And then Sunday, January 23rd against Arsenal. So, you wanted better teams? Great. Two best we got. And then it's Crystal Palace, Leeds, you know, Leicester. And, you know, reasonably from, like, those two games, like, if you want to compete at the top of the league, you got to get four points, right? Like, that's where they should set their expectation if they want to actually come back and be a factor in this thing. And being a factor in this thing is a little bit of a long shot. But, like, you got to take four points. That doesn't really matter where they come from, but you cannot lose either one of those two games. You can't give up more points to teams you're trailing. If you want to be Manchester United, who always feels like they should be winning the league and running this whole thing, right? That's how they feel. That's absolutely how their fans feel online. Yikes. What a group of individuals that is. But, um, if you're an, if you're an American sports fan, think Yankees fans, but back when the Yankees were good and annoying, um, because this run with United fans has been tough to watch.
1: But I think that's part of the reason why maybe things have been a little better this year is that I think that they kind of finally acknowledged like, okay, new manager, we need to rebuild a little bit. And now they're, now it'll be the year that they finish top four and get back in Champions League or something. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the way the cookie crumbles, man. But, um, uh, that's all I got on United. That's all I got for this little segment. You got anything else?
0: No, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm ready to talk some uh, U.S. men's national team and then kind of get out of here. But I will tee you up to kind of bring us into this year, Spencer. Um, this all started when Greg Burhalter's contract uh, lapsed or um, not lapsed. What's the word I want? It, I mean, lapsed kind of works. Expired, yeah, ex- yeah. Expired is the word I want, though, on the 31st, headed into the new year. And then things got super weird. So go ahead, Spencer. Walk, walk us through this here.
1: Yeah, Andrew, just um, never a boring day supporting this team, I feel like, man. Um, essentially, yeah, as you just said, Greg's contract expired at the new year. And U.S. soccer has been until today, today being the third that we're recording, until the afternoon of today, Completely silent on the matter, nobody saying, hey, his contract's expired, but we're still negotiating, or hey, his contract's expired, and we're moving other directions, nothing either way. And then today, we get a report of First Greg dropping a statement, a very long, lengthy statement that essentially detailed that somebody was threatening to blackmail him. Um, with an incident from when he was 18 of him and his wife being in an altercation outside of a bar and he kicked her in the leg, I believe was his exact terminology. Um, and that somebody was trying to use this to blackmail Greg and essentially make him lose his job or look bad at the very least to us soccer, Um, So Greg got got ahead of it, put that statement out, kind of ate it, said there's an investigation ongoing. Um, Shortly thereafter, U.S. Soccer came out with a statement that said, essentially backing up kind of what Greg said, that somebody came to them uh, highlighting an incident from his past and that they found that outside individuals have been Going in, there's been altercations between outside individuals and people inside U.S. soccer, like multiple people besides Greg halter. So they said they're in an investigation. It's still not completely clear to me at this time. Um, the last I read of it, like what's ex- I, I might be both that this blackmailing thing and Greg's former conduct is under investigation. Um, just all very confusing. Um, essentially, U.S. soccer came out. Sounds like tomorrow they'll probably. Announce who's going to be in charge for this January camp as it's not going to be Greg, it seems. I'll probably be an assistant coach of some sort, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. Just basically a big clusterfuck. And I would just like for U.S. soccer to uh, look. I, I think that my personal opinion on this is if Greg and his wife have moved past that incident and stuff, and it's a one off thing, and it's something he did when he was. I mean, it's obviously something you don't want to it's not a good thing that happened obviously I don't want to belittle what he did but if it's something that has been put into the past and everything has been made right from that um, I don't think that should factor into his job status at all I think that it's just completely on the pitch results and such <laughs> with the squad results there there's more than enough to me to kind of move on from Greg just on that alone and the other thing shouldn't probably factor into it um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just wish they'd kind of make a decision on this, man. Where do you fall on this whole thing?
0: Um, Again, the whole thing is messy, right? There's a lot going on with it. It's very hard to know what the truth is. But like before all of this, it was like, you know, it, it's the facts are he got hired basically by his brother to run the team. And you can make the argument he was the best coach for the thing and everything else, right? But like... It wasn't all easy, good coming into this, right? Um, we've been, I think, pretty balanced about it, but overall negative about his performance in the World Cup with the USMNT, right? We absolutely could want more. And every time someone's name pops up as a coach who might be looking at international duty, I know my head gets turned like the meme, right? I'm looking at the other girl walking down the <laughs> walking down the street the other way. Um, but this kind of stuff, it's just got to get figured out, like, U.S. Men's Soccer needs to have their house in order, right, before they move on with any of this.
1: Yeah, the whole thing is just, to me, it's just noisy, man. Like, since the World Cup ended, there's just been the the Gio Reyna-Greg Bearhalter thing that... Right. Look, I can yeah. even step back as a big Gio Reyna fan. I can step back, and I can obviously say that it seems like Gio did things wrong. Like, if the squad wasn't on his side for things, obviously... I, Look, Bearhalter might have done the right thing even there, but where it's wrong is that that never needed to be made public. Like that, that needed to stay in the locker room 100%. I think that was the big fumble job of it was just and he letting them up. He brought he, it up. It, it, it yes. didn't, some journalists didn't get in there and wriggle it away and call it. No, he brought it up at a
0: conference.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's just noise that this this federation, this team doesn't really need, there's plenty of drama already. Like it was already a boiling pot with uh, Gio Reyna and him not playing. And that's just, you know, letting it just completely overflow. Um, Now this, obviously I look, if it's like a blackmail thing, I don't want to say that like Greg's responsible for it, but it's just, there's a lot of noise here. And as a US fan, I would like this just to kind of quiet down. Um, like I said, I think there's plenty of examples on the pitch too of where we could maybe move on from him anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Overall, I, I feel a little bit sympathetic for Greg just for this story leaking of, you know, it's probably, if it's something from his past like this, and it seems like I said, that it's all been sorted through and stuff. I don't think this guy is like a serial abuser or anything like that. I, I think he's genuinely a pretty good guy. Um, that's moved on from all this. I mean, he's still married to the same woman. Um, she l- released a joint statement with him. I should say, I don't believe I said that before. So um, I felt a little bad for him as a person that this is even something he's going to have to kind of come up against right now. But uh, look, that doesn't belittle the fact that I think that he, U S soccer just needs to kind of make a decision on this uh, investigation aside. Like that, I, I think they can make their determination.
0: Yeah, and I I understand not wanting to make that decision until you know the facts, right? Um, Or at least you've done your investigation, but this was a questionable decision without this aspect to it, right? Um, So, I mean, I kind of come down on like, we'll definitely see where this goes. Somebody's going to have to leave the January camp, right? Somebody's going to have to get this uh, Island of Misfit toys together and stick them together with some MLS glue and, you know, weird call-ups from, you know, like, I feel like this is the time of year we get not excited about, but confused about like midfielders with weird eligibility for the U.S. And then, you know, it's like Johnny Cardozo, I feel like, was like a, if not a January call-up, he's kind of got that January call-up flavor where it's like, ooh, I got got an 18-year-old from Brazil. Like, okay, like, that's great. And I want, that's what I want to talk about with U.S. soccer right yeah like i want there to be a roster comes out and we're excited about like oh aaron long and you know like oh is miles robinson gonna be back that type of stuff that's what i want to talk about right this this type of stuff um is is not the fun part of it and ultimately we care about the usmnt we care about the players we care about everything else but um but this is a fun sport right i mean putting it all kind of in perspective was the NFL player last night right who was down and collapsed and everything else but you know it's like well let's worry about the sport part of us the serious part of this will figure itself out it's kind of how I feel
1: yeah you sure hope so um but uh, yeah I think just to put that to bed that just kind of what I said I I would just like for this to be just kind of figured out just make their decision one way or another like uh, I think most U.S. fans at least the pulse online is that they would like Bear Halter out I would agree Definitely with that the more sense vocal part of it. Yeah. Certainly the more vocal. Um, I would agree with that sentiment. I think I'm ready to move on to something better as I've said, but like if it's going to be bear halter, let's just, let's just get this done one way or another, man. But, um, yeah, let's get this podcast done, man. Cause we're uh, creeping up one over an hour one and a way half. Or another now. buddy, one way or another. Um, any, obviously Chelsea and uh, city, the little double fixture this weekend, uh, t- thursday and sunday yeah uh, any other any other fixtures kind of catch your eye coming up i'm looking at like the ones tomorrow in the prim and there's not like really sexy ones but some big jeopardy at the bottom of the table like southampton forest leeds west ham wolves villa crystal palace playing too like it's a it's, it's a relegation wednesday tomorrow my friend <laughs> <laughs> uh relegation wednesday is a very fun way to put
0: a uh Uh, a slate of games that is not particularly on paper enticing. Um, No, Chelsea, Chelsea city. um, is kind of the last one here before they go on a little bit of a hiatus. So um, honestly, kind of thankfully it's, I'm not worrying about like Chelsea getting embarrassed by like Gillingham on the weekend in the cup. Uh, At least if we get embarrassed, it will be by somebody worth embarrassing us. So outside of this uh, unfortunate podcast with you that we keep doing, um, you know it'll it rests easy on my conscious and i honestly i feel like the same way for you too right like i'm happy to kind of get my guys some extra rest if it doesn't go well on the weekend moving forward right like if we mm-hmm. can unclutter the schedule a little bit i'd like to win i'd definitely like to beat you know beat you here in the uh, fish and fries classic especially round two i'd like to i'd like to sweep it but who boy doesn't that feel like an impossible dream at the moment here with chelsea
1: well, like we just been spoiled with like this is already our third one. We're only like not even two months into doing this podcast. So just three fish and fry classics right away, um, right off rip, which is just great. Uh great for one of us, maybe it'll be, I guess I should say. Um we'll see how we feel when we reconvene next week. But yeah, it's uh it's it's kinda like I, I agree with you. It's the type of thing where if at least we lose to like a Chelsea or if you lose to a city in the cup, it's like, okay, well, Tough draw. Like, what can you do? Like, Liverpool is playing. I, I have no idea what they're playing off the top of my head, but they're playing like a, you know, or Gillingham boris or something. Green. yeah, boris Green, something like that. So, what can you do kind of thing. I agree with you, but it should be fun, man. I'm, I'm excited to see. Hopefully, you know, I come out on top. I'm rooting for that and I can gloat next week. But the sport has a way of humbling you, so we'll see what happens, my friend. But, but I um,
0: will... Uh, I will. I will see you soon, buddy. I'll definitely be talking to you at least on Thursday. Talking a lot. Oh, we'll smack. be and then, and then we'll console each other. That's how this uh, works.
1: Oh yeah, we'll definitely be uh, <laughs> firing barbs at each other the next couple of days here. But uh, the, yeah,
0: this is uh this is a, a fun level you reach with friends when you both very much care about a sport, but you're also the only two who really care about it. Is what should be a very fun win for one of us, right? ends up usually kind of being like a therapy session for the other one right like not not to bring up like the the most notable one right of of uh Chelsea beating city in the um Champions League final right but like it muted my celebration because i had to make sure i wasn't like being an absolute jerk to spencer cuz i couldn't at that time alienate my only other soccer outlet right it's like well yeah. oh man tough draw for you guys i can't believe it you know, I'm dancing around my apartment as we, as we win. Well, yeah, it's like you say, we,
1: yeah. we, um, <laughs> we like talk trash to each other, like leading up to it, and I feel like it happens. And then it's like, uh, like, yeah, whoever wins is happy, oh, but then yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like a, hey, buddy, you doing hey, okay?
0: Man. Oh, man, I thought Foden was going to score that one for sure. It's yeah. Like, it's draw. I can't believe they didn't call that foul. Like, that's what it <laughs> ends up being, because it's like, man, I want more than anything to beat Spencer. And then Unfortunately, the other part of that is if one of us loses, then it's like, oh, man, my friend's sad. And we both (laughs) love soccer. Like, if you know, like with the Everton game, I wasn't sad about it, right? I I was concerned that City didn't have anything wrong with them but are losing to Everton like any good friend should be. You know, but there was no like, oh, I'm so sorry for you guys. Nope, none of that. That will be what happens if like Kai Havertz decides to put on a Superman cape on Thursday and figure some stuff out. Well,
1: just how
0: it we'll goes. F- man.
1: We will figure those things out as they come along, my friend. But uh, if you want to see him play out in real time, guys, follow us on Twitter. That's the best place to kind of find us, see what we're thinking. We're just firing off great shit on there at Fish Fries Pod. Just doing great. Twitter's starting to grow. Really loving and engaging with some of you guys on there. It's been a lot of fun. I'm, uh, you guys are making me love Twitter again, which is just great. I kind of took to a do. few, I took a few <laughs> years off of it, but I'm really starting to like it again. Uh, mixing it up with people, like chatting with some fans, having some good back and forth. So it's been a good time. Add Fish Fries Pod. Follow us on there. Yep. Be sure to follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Give us a like, give us a rating, uh, review would be awesome. Five stars really helps us out and uh, helps us know that you like it. Hit us up on Twitter. Like I said, a minute ago, tell us what things you want to talk about. I know we've missed out talking on a lot of clubs this week. Um, apologize to you guys. Just, it was a yeah, really, if, really busy week. If we, if we didn't talk about your team,
0: you let us know. It doesn't take more than one tweet to get a five minute dedicated segment about your team every week. I'm going to need some proof that you actually support that team before we dive into it. Right. I need like a Twitter picture. I need to see a scarf. I need something right before I got about 10 minutes about crystal palace. I got to lie about every week, but you let us know what you want to hear, boy, guys, we will uh, absolutely bring it to you because we love this.
1: 100%. And like we already established, I'm a coward. So if you just come at me at all, I'll probably fold under pressure and
0: I'll like a lawn chair. Yeah. yeah,
1: If you tell me you're a massive Southampton fan, I'll, you know, probably do like three hours of research before the next pod and get on here and tell you like, how, I think with three hours of research, I should be able to find like four good things about them I'll talk about. So <laughs> yeah, hit us up, tell us, uh, you want us to talk about your team and, um, we'll, we'll sneak something in there, but, uh, otherwise I think we're ready to get out of Dodge today, my friend. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good to go, man.
0: Let's enjoy this, uh, the fish and fries classic here, double up, but, uh,
1: Unless you got anything else,
0: man, I think I'm ready to go.
1: Nope, double barrel. Hopefully, we're back next week, and I am doing uh, dancing. Uh, yeah, you know, by then, by the time we record next week, the the wounds will be you know mostly healed. So if um, one of us has to dance on the other person's <laughs> yeah. grave and, and we'll reopened right. on Sunday, so that'll be nice. <laughs> it's just enough time to like, oh,
0: hey, look, that's mostly scabbed over. Rip.
1: <laughs> well, it was rip scabs on. Our next episode next week when we record, Andrew, when we reconvene. But until then, uh, thanks for listening, guys, and take care. We'll, We'll talk to you then.
0: See you guys.